0: Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me as always, my superb co-hosts, Nicole Davis, how are you?
1: I'm doing really well, although unlike our heroine of this movie, rather than having a whiskey permanently glued to my hand, I'm going to have a glass of wine glued to my hand for this movie because it's this movie.
0: (laughs) I am also drinking. (laughs) I don't know if David is. David Lusader, did you have to drink to watch this movie and then get through this discussion?
2: To watch the movie, yes. I believe I told you both in the middle of it, oh, no, the wine is gone. Uh, but for to discuss this movie, I will be the D.D. I will make sure we get where we're trying to get to.
0: All right. <laughs> well, those for those unfamiliar, Netflix Roulette is where the three of us have the opportunity to spin a wheel that generates three random films on Netflix. We exclude television shows, and if documentaries pop up, we typically exclude those as well. And then we take those three films, and we make a discerning uh, decision as to what uh, of those three films are going to watch. This allows us to weed out some really weird things that might not necessarily work in a conversational format. And somehow the three of us picked this. Uh, In hindsight, I feel like either of our other two options might have been better. Um, But we ended up with this movie. But before I announce this movie and give our uh, listeners a bit of context, I do want to announce next week so you can follow along. You're going to want to follow along with this one, at least I think so. Next week is Future Classics. That is where one of the three of us has the opportunity to bring a movie to the panel that has come out in the last 10 years. So as of right now, it's
1: your turn, Brett, so it's my turn. What you bringing?
0: Well, so as of right now, you can, you can uh, bring 2008 and onward, and I'm going to bring a relatively recent film, uh, skyfall. I'm going to bring a James Bond action film mm. and claim that it is a future classic. And I'll explain why next week. So be sure to turn in uh, tune in. Also, I think it's on like Netflix and stuff. So people can get it really easily. Uh, but I digress. Let's talk about lucky them it came out in 2013 obviously you can find this on netflix if you uh spin a wheel because that might really be the only way to get this movie i can't imagine it being recommended to you uh this comedy uh comedy drama no less is about an established music journalist who investigates the disappearance of a famous musician ellie clug her her last name is not clug it's klug oh yeah i think it's klug that's still bad. Ellie Either Klug way not great. Stu- <laughs> I returned the reading. Ellie Klug is stuck in a never ending cycle of rock gigs, heavy drinking, and one night stands with young artists. She's like forty five, he said. Next you know, outside of this ridiculous, oh my God, I can't get through these ridiculous synopsis, guys. <laughs> get Under the pressure synopsis. from yeah. her editor to prove her worth, she is assigned the task of uncovering the story of the influential Matthew Smith, who went missing a decade ago. Now, this does not say it, but she also dated and was the muse of Matthew Smith. And also she's like mm. in her 40s and, and living the life of an early 20s.
2: Yeah, yeah i think it's the debatable whether or not she was his muse in that regard i think she wants to think she was yes uh, but he wrote a
0: song for her in fat camp
2: yeah yeah at that his first song i guess yeah and exactly she would then believe that she was from from then <laughs> on which uh that whole i'm stuck in my 20s thing okay interesting idea yeah. horribly executed and and uh chased after in this movie very poorly yeah. and
0: this lead is played by tony collette uh yeah
2: this movie is full of people you will recognize mm-hmm.
0: yeah like this is an academy award nominated actress that ends up in what i think most w- i don't think there's any good actors in this film um with the exception perhaps of mustache it, man
1: you
2: don't think there's any good performances you don't think there's, there's any good performances yes. in this film. there are good
1: actors yeah. in this movie
2: the there question are is number.
1: are they doing a good job in this
0: movie? No. Well, Mustache Man, uh, otherwise known as Hay- uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Yep. I found him quite enjoyable in this and I also found Oliver Platt lovely because I always love Oh well, yeah, because Oliver, Oliver Platt. Platt is great in everything. I love Oliver it's, Platt. Oliver but he Platt plays Platt the same character in everything. He's just Porthos yeah, exactly. in every he plays Porthos no. in varying capacities. Porthos. Sorry. I've
1: been in I've been enjoying him since the original Flatliners. Um And he's always delightful.
2: Now, if we're going to talk about Thomas Hayden Church in this movie, we got (laughs) to talk about the way that he's inflecting David Putty and everything that he does. This very monotone, loud volume (laughs) that he carries through the whole thing. He's almost the one guy who realized this is a bad movie. Right. That's why I love him in this movie is his
0: delivery and his character arc is so predictable, yet so lovable to me. I find him but, spectacularly good in this.
1: Oh, but... Uh, I don't know. This this arc
2: is... It's no, almost like he turns a, a different person. When he marries a married escort? Is that you don't like that part of it?
1: <laughs> no, but like right after that, he suddenly turns into a... He, he suddenly turns much more charming...
2: Oh, because she's seeing him for the real blah 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 oh,
0: i found him charming blah. straight from the beginning quite frankly no
1: <laughs> he was annoying I didn't even, right from the beginning
2: <laughs> he's annoying kind of to the end
1: he, i mean he's playing an annoying character I like and as somebody character. who
2: somebody who has made a documentary whatever he was shooting was terrible not a bad idea the way he was shooting it and inserting himself in the middle of that documentary was awful. Yeah. It would have been about ten minutes long, probably, based so, on what he was shooting.
0: For context, for the listeners, because the synopsis of this film really doesn't explain it terribly well. Uh, essentially, Tony Collette's character Ellie is a uh, a journalist for like a fledgling Rolling Stone knockoff, and uh, Oliver Platt is her generic editor-in-chief that's smoking oh, the tropes across the, oh my god the yeah tropes so, so he's, many right so he's the hard-hitting you know um kind of crooked editor-in-chief that just wants her to get the story uh
2: so for a music magazine for pitchfork essentially
0: right um so essentially what happens is he sends her on a quest to find her ex-boyfriend gone missing he is uh presumably either dead or has gone missing. Most people believe the former. Uh, and he was by the name of Matthew Smith. He's supposed to be almost like this, like Jeff Buckley-esque, like, I died in my late 20s and and well, I, my music changed the world.
2: Let's say... Not, let's, not,
0: not, uh, not to make light of Jeff Buckley, who actually did die in his 20s and I, changed the world. Well, I,
2: want to, I want to quote something that they say in this movie where they're trying to say how influential and great Matthew Smith was. Somebody says, and I apologize for the bleeping. Somebody says, "Kurt Cobain," which <laughs> oof.
0: Oof. I'll bleep it. Don't worry. Also, also, her her fish, not her fish. Sorry, her seahorses. Seahorses sea are named Courtney and Kurt, and I, I take issue with this because you know if you want to go like a John and a Yoko, or like a Paul and a Linda, or like a a Jay and a Beyonce, like that's all fine with me. But Kurt and Courtney. That's the oh, music but couple. Oh, it's okay,
1: because Courtney's the one who dies this time. So
2: <sighs> <we can laughs> oh my God, right. it goes all the way down.
1: Yes, it does.
2: <laughs> well,
0: uh, so yeah, she goes in, on this quest to find Matthew Smith, her friend Charlie, uh, not even really her friend, just her, her ex that uh, she went what, on two they, dates with. They who went she,
2: on two dates. He's as rich as he needs to be
0: yeah
1: he like sold a tech company for a gazillion bucks so he's wealthy beyond
0: it and was born made. into money as well so he has this aura about him where he's just searching for his next little fun you know Project. time waster and for him yep. this time it's the community courses he's taking to become a documentary filmmaker Ugh.
2: as someone who t- took actual college courses in that everything he did infuriated You're me. You're telling
0: me the pistol <laughs> whip is not a professional camera that, movement?
2: The, the, how much he was moving around in his interviews, I was like, what the hell are you doing?
1: Maybe it has a really good stabilizer.
2: I don't, I don't know. No, no.
0: And, he's, and he's also shooting on like a relatively cheap camera, which is poked was, fun yeah. at him multiple yeah. times in the movie. Uh, which so, he,
2: and he was like, no, it's top of the line. Right.
0: Uh, But yeah essentially like what I when I was watching this film and I had to watch it in two settings um, do the time constraints and also I just don't think I could have done it anyway. uh, One thing I realized was there's no guiding direction of this movie which is funny because the plot is insanely simple find yeah. the missing guy and is yep. is that the plot though But that's but no but that's my point it's like it's not the plot because about halfway through the movie they just go on like a multiple wink week, week foray into Ellie's love life and existential despair
2: and um, well, there's a whole Thomas Hayden Church's fiance and It's because yeah.
1: Ellie is going on a journey to find
0: herself which she writes girl. in her article at the end of the movie. Uh, which and it's, she does it's, end up it's writing great her. writing.
2: It's a. Uh, uh, how. Confession. She lives in Seattle, right? Yes. That's a really. She, lo- she lives in a pretty nice place, it looks like. Yep. She's,
1: it, it is actually. The nice thing is that it's actually a reasonably sized.
2: Uh, yeah. But she's apparently publishing one article, like. Every three months. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. That was pre- <laughs> what is this and Jan Werner,
0: you know, bullshit, you know, schedule
2: she's on. She can't publish like once a year. And she mostly, she mostly is just writing about little random acts that she hears on the street. She hears a busker and is like, "You're good enough for me to write about in my magazine." Hmm.
0: No. <laughs> Now, let's talk about that busker. The busker that she meets on the street and gives him her card. Ryan Lucas. Eggold. Lucas Stone is his name in the movie.
2: He got his shirt that. off as fast as possible. <laughs> now,
0: this guy, you might, you might know his extremely punchable face from Blacklist. Oh. Um, he has Jeez. the most punchable face in the world. Let's be real.
2: No. Um, no.
0: I want to punch I him. I want to kick him thing.
2: out of bed, for and crackers.
1: Oh. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> well, in any
0: case, he plays this this musician that's busking on the street, and uh, she wants to interview him because she doesn't want to interview big artists, as David said. She only wants to do the small indie guy and make their careers and get them exposed. And uh, long story short, she makes his career, and it turns out he doesn't really care that much about her.
2: She A doesn't real even... Twist. Well, she doesn't really even make his career. It's the thousand dollars she left that oh, yeah. was apparently Let's talk about enough that. to buy studio time and make professional CDs.
0: Yeah. So there's a moment in this movie where Oliver Platt's character uh, has found out that Ellie has the opportunity to follow a lead, and um, as a as a journalist, you don't follow leads like this. But uh, I digress. Uh, she no, you, don't, you, don't, you don't pay them. You don't, yeah, you, you don't pay yeah, you them don't pay $500 me, and ever. let them run up the hill into the wilderness, but she does. She loses about $1,000 on this, but the money that she has is because the rich character, Charlie, gave it to her because she lost the money when she left it on a park bench, the $1,000 from Oliver Platt's character, uh, and left it next to Punchable Face Guy. Uh, Whoever Snow. is listening
2: to this who has not watched this movie is so confused <laughs> by everything we're talking about.
0: She you know, leaves money. She
1: gets and- a lead as to where Matthew is. Her editor gives her a thousand dollars to give to the lead because the lead's asking for money in exchange for the location of Matthew Smith. She loses the money while waiting for a bus with this young, you know, handsome up-and-comer. The um, he takes that money and then ins- tries to return it to her. And when she doesn't return his phone calls, goes and spends it on a demo. Um, so she has to find new money and that's when she go find goes to find her rich friend and to, then at uh, some point
0: she also has a relationship with this guy when they run into each other for, again for a
2: good third of the movie yeah and then paid. like
0: at no the point in guy. their relationship yeah. is he like hey about that thousand dollars you left me and I left you voice Yeah, that about was
2: what I thought was weird he didn't ever bring it up
1: no not till near the end of the movie
2: when When he he like sends her her a letter yeah uh let's let's talk like a little bit about because there was a point in this movie where I thought they were going to do something interesting with the relationship when he you know started like he you know had his moment of like I'm going to L.A. uh which I don't really that was all mysterious to me and then she has this moment of like oh okay this is it like you're going off and this is it for us and that could have been a really interesting thing to explore. They don't nope. uh, until the, at the wedding, she jumps in bed with the least interesting guy with the worst hair in yep. the world immediately. Yep. And he walks in on it and finds the situation and they have the least for people who were like very into one another, have the least painful breakup. <laughs> <of like> anyone. <laughs> like,
1: oh, well, this is a thing. Okay. Yep. Bye now.
2: Yeah. yeah, it was just ah, there were so many like I get what they were trying to do like this could have been an interesting and introspective story and, and it just it doesn't ever do anything right. Well, no,
0: many of the ways. It goes awry are listed in our discussion topics, and I'm going to delve us yes. into those. We haven't even touched them almost like 20 minutes into the program because of the way this movie really is. Because what
2: <laughs> well, well, just like this movie, this episode is a time suck. There are times watching this movie where I'm like, there's there a, there are 45 minutes left. What else yeah. what do, we do what else is going to happen,
1: right? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think we can we can start with the third point, which is that this is possibly the most competent ad directing i've ever seen
0: just like it's a movie
1: it's put together like a competently made movie but it's just all over the damn place
0: before we before we progress i do want to note that the (sighs) episode subtitle on itunes is going to be just like this movie this episode is a time suck uh yeah it is so explain to us more about how this is the most you know competent bad directing
1: i mean it's a it's a well-assembled film. It it's is competently made. It's well shot. They've, they got fantastic actors for this movie and it's just kind of, <laughs> it's like, it goes along at like golf cart speeds.
2: And yeah. just, this movie is 97 minutes uh, and you will watch it over the course of six hours. <laughs> like that yeah. is what it will feel like. It, yeah. It, is crawling at times and it just goes off and it pursues these random plot lines out of nowhere but i mean you're right like this looks like a well put together movie like the people behind it you know whoever's been cutchins on cinematography knew his job knew how to do it well
1: yeah it's just not
2: interesting
1: it's not interesting yes thank you it's not interesting you know it's not exactly boring but it's not terrible it's not very engaging i found myself having to kind of work to focus can, on it you
2: can think of this movie is as uh, tony Colette's character telling you this over a glass of wine at a party that then, would
1: be uh, way more interesting than watching this movie it,
2: yeah it would take a lot less time too <laughs> but it's like yeah you could summarize this in like her whole life experience Like, well i get to have to go find matthew smith which like the most common name in the world but if you say the words matthew smith everyone knows immediately who it is and we're not talking about the doctor from doctor
1: yeah that's what i kept thinking that that
2: was a terrible name choice uh it's so i
1: think they wanted to evoke elliot smith probably
2: oh that makes a lot of sense yeah so
0: yeah yeah uh, Uh,
2: uh (laughs)
1: But yeah, I mean, the first for the first half hour of this movie, I would say the only two characters I cared about at all were uh, Oliver Platt, the editor, and her best friend, the bartender.
2: Oliver Platt has a great line or or bit when like she calls him and it's like, "I'll take the story." He's like, "Yeah, I'm your editor. I told you to take the story. (laughs) I'm your boss, right?" Like it, it almost kind of like is dissecting a little bit how ridiculous she's being. And I wish they had done more of that in this film. Cause I was genuinely enjoying when he was like, I don't care about your relation, do your job. Yes. Right. right.
1: Yeah. I mean, by the end of the movie, I like Charlie. I like Thomas Hayden church's character, but that's because like with, with about 20 minutes to go, he suddenly turns really charming and it's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> his his new wife dumped him and suddenly he's way more interesting and he's flirty and he's you know he's doing these little charismatic things and that he was not doing before and he's talking like a normal person which he was not doing before <laughs> and i'm not sure what what that is if it's supposed to be that he changes and drops all of these affectations because he's actually heartbroken that this girl no, left him no. or if I, I don't know, you know, for, at the beginning of the movie, he plays it almost as if he's on the autism spectrum. You know, he doesn't quite relate to people in a standard way. And it makes you wonder what's, what's going on with him. He's very stiff and formal and, mannered and he's like trying to be cool and failing utterly
0: you know a film is truly not great when perhaps one of the more interesting characters is described as i think he might have been somewhere on the spectrum at the beginning of this movie and then no, he finally no, developed a character
1: that's not the case there are plenty of good performances where you know they people are playing you know people on the on the spectrum and they know oh, what really i mean by nice that is on. like
0: but you know that they're on the spectrum as that character like his characters i
1: I don't i wonder if that's what the intent is they never say it explicitly
0: interesting interesting
1: acting in such a such a stilted way that i'm wondering if that's going for
0: that's that's interesting i didn't even that didn't even occur to me while watching the film but perhaps uh, I do really enjoy his character, though. I found him amusing throughout. Now, is this movie about Tony Collette growing up? And Tony Collette the person, not Ellie. Uh, or is it about her finding Matthew <laughs> Smith? Or is it about her relationship with Thomas Hayden Church? It tries to be all three, but it just becomes muddled uh, from David here. You're absolutely right. We've, cre- yeah. we've tread this ground a little bit. But really, yeah. after really weird, like... Explorations into her personal life and her professional life, and um, a relationship, and then like the breaking down of a relationship, and then like her realizing that her her friend was really the man she needed to be with all along because she does end up with Mustache Guy at the end of the movie. We finally well, come
1: she to, goes out on a date with Mustache Guy at the end of the movie. Sh- we don't know close if they enough.
2: End up. Oh, close God enough. that. That little scene just before their date, when she's throwing away all the Matthew Smith stuff and then does that stupid little flashlight thing all alone in her apartment and like breaks down, giggling about it. I was like, ugh. Oh, it's bad. It's bad.
0: But what I'm getting to here is that after all this happens, this is all a foray away from the plot. And then they come back and she realizes, oh, wait, Matthew Smith is subscribed to my magazine and I can find him that way. And she finds him in like 10 minutes. like
2: yeah, that should have been pretty easy to figure out early on.
0: <laughs> in fact, it's almost insulting to me how how what what could have potentially been a really interesting uh, exploration of the guy who gone missing, ala Eddie and the cruisers that I want to talk about later. Um, <sighs> instead, we get this and the end of the movie, finally, and and here's the thing I. I thought he was alive the whole time. The person I was watching thought he was dead, and I don't know what would have been more entertaining or more thought provoking. He's alive. He's Johnny Depp. He's living in a suburb. He has a kid. He's married to a diner waitress, and he's fixing a fence for about Uh a minute, and and that's it. (laughs) That yeah, she shows up. She realizes uh, he has a happy life without her, and
2: that that's it that is not i mean that could have that, yeah that could be enough i guess for her foreclosure but she is so broken by what he did to her like which was leaving which was which was leaving and then <laughs> well, seeing no,
1: I arguably you, that he faked his own death
2: right and that, because they were together since they were teenagers and into their 20s and blah, blah, blah. And uh, look, apparently that's, you know, no therapy needed to process those emotions. All you need to do is see him. No, no, David, You she got therapy. She
0: met a therapist.
2: What? Who is? Oh, right. She slept with the therapist. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> the, no, the, the community, guys, like, training, the community course therapist. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. The University of Phoenix therapist.
1: Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. So the online university therapy course—not even going for a degree, just like I took a class. Therefore, I'm. An
2: yeah, this in this in the, the world of this movie, all you need is a, a class, and Tony Collette will let you do whatever you want. Right. She's on board <laughs> for what you're what you're doing there, but the that ending when she talks to him, it could have been way more interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah. The end it? of this movie, she finds big spoilers. She finds him yeah she finds him she like goes finds where his magazines being delivered and then it's being delivered to a bar and she follows the bartender home and that's where he is and he's fixing a fence and she talks to him for like five minutes and she gets all the closure she could ever need and gets yep.
2: on she's her life. good she has grown up that is that is the thing it doesn't need, they don't it, uh, and why and why was that the closure <laughs> she needed to see that he's alive also
0: though uh, I think huh? I think there is another item to this though that Nicole didn't mention was that when she says they talked for five minutes, they kind of just stared at each other for five minutes while his wife was confused well, in the background.
2: Right. She cries and then Charlie
0: Sands in the background equally as confused. Yes.
2: And then no new songs. I guess I guess for her that was the closure of, Oh, you haven't thought about me at all.
1: Yeah, and the also, lead also like she knew the lead him so that well. she'd been following up said that he was playing in a bar somewhere and she listens to the song that the this performer's you know, you can't make out his facial features, so he could be anybody. She listens to the song that that person is singing and decides that it's about her. Yeah, it that Matthew and the song is about her.
2: That whole that whole fake lead plotline really led to nowhere. No, not really.
0: Only in that it, it misled. It, it let her it,
2: it, 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 it was a wild goose chase for a third of the movie. Actually though, right. if
0: I'm not mistaken though, the fake lead is still within the general whereabouts of where he actually was.
2: Yeah. D- yeah, it's all within a few miles of Seattle, apparently. It's not really right, a difficult right. time for them to, to get out there.
0: Now, to talk about Johnny Depp showing up at the end of this movie, this movie smells of just enough budget to pay for the rights to one famous song and Johnny Depp for a day. I'm assuming we're talking about a Brian Adams song and Johnny Depp for about an hour.
1: Yeah. So, yes, spoilers. Matthew Smith is played by Johnny Depp. Yep. At the end of the movie, there's Johnny Depp fixing a fence, long hair, hat, looks kind of like Jack White with beard. And it's just, and he's just yep. phoning it in would be generous.
2: He's not doing anything. He's <laughs> reading. He is standing Did he there know reading. He was lines. in the movie. Yeah,
1: I think so. I because think he knew that.
0: Johnny Depp's a musician. Hasn't written anything lately.
2: Well, we're going to yeah, talk it, about it, that
1: it feels to me like they discovered they could get Johnny Depp. They for like a day, they Mm -hmm. built an entire movie around
2: (laughs) finding Johnny Depp around
1: finding, you know, (laughs) somebody elusive who they only get to see at the very end of the movie. And, you know, so they had just enough money for that and just enough money to get the rights for one famous song, which is it run to you?
0: Yeah, it's run to Brian, you. It is. Uh, okay. It is indeed. Now-
1: so that's not an obvious choice or anything, that she's searching for this long lost love and it's run to you. It's, a song. it's just, this movie takes every easy avenue. You know, when there's a choice to be made of which direction to go, they, they pick the easier one
2: every time. I don't know. So- yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely
0: a couple items here i want to address um (laughs) first of all i was checking to see if johnny depp was like the uncle of someone who made this movie or something like that (laughs) i was starting to wonder if he maybe even did not get paid for this Uh, that's an
1: interesting idea (laughs) but in any sense
0: i did find a couple interesting things when looking around first of all the film is credited to paul newman an inspiration, mentor, cheering squad. It's, it's, and a darn it's good reason. It's not credited to him. Okay, yeah, dedicated. A darn good reason a gal could still have trouble finding a gent to fill his boots. So the director must have known Paul Newman? Um,
1: yeah, well, the one of the producers is Paul Newman's wife, Joanne Woodward, oh, no, and she it. has okay. a vocal cameo as the landlady telling Ellie that her rent is late.
0: I gotcha. Okay, well, in any case, the two things I do want to bring up, um. actually no, I'll bring up one of these during dinner, Charlie's I'm reading this from the trivia page on IMDb Charlie's oh, really? fiance makes some disparaging <sighs> remarks about documentaries, Ellie mentions a documentary about monkeys that is filmed by monkeys, it ends after 10 seconds when the camera is broken at the end of the film, uh, credits the monkey documentary is shown in full I did not wait that long
2: I, yeah, no, I, I was didn't out. either
0: <laughs> but I would have liked to I see the monkey out. documentary, it would have been better Uh <laughs>
1: I should, I'm tempted to go back just to look at the monkey documentary, but I don't know if it's worth it to sit there fast forwarding <laughs> until I get there.
0: So <laughs> let's also talk a bit about actually, you know, I'm going to end with the title. Lucky Dam. I think that's a good closer, but I want to talk a bit about. Eddie and the Cruisers.
1: So yes, Eddie which and the this Cruisers. Is, this movie is a remake of, essentially. It's yeah, the so, exact same concept as Eddie and the Cruisers.
0: Exactly. So for those unfamiliar, Eddie and the Cruisers came out in 1983, and it is really a film about like find the missing, you know, um cult classic rock icon that went missing at the peak of his career, and we don't know if he's dead yes. or if he's living in a shack somewhere, or whatever. And Eddie and the Cruisers is is it's based on a novel so i think it does actually have a level of like like the plot was laid out for them whereas this movie's plot is all Mm -hmm. over the place but it's a great movie people seem to be very you know fond in reminiscing about it i saw it when i was a kid and i still love it classic and also one thing that's great about eddie and the cruisers is that if you're going to make a movie about a cult classic rock star or whatever that has gone missing Make music, (laughs) make music. They had so many independent artists that must have been involved in some capacity in this movie to at least give them licensing to play the unrecognizable songs they played the entire film. Uh, One of the great things about Eddie and the Cruisers is that they had a full soundtrack done for the movie. They really wanted to give it like this. By the
1: same band.
0: Right, right. They wanted to give it like this discount Bruce Springsteen feel, which is really what it is, and they got it done by John Caverty and the Beaver Brown Band, and it's a great soundtrack. The soundtrack yeah. on its own holds up reasonably well. and
1: On the Dark Side is an awesome song.
0: It is an awesome song, and even Eddie and the Cruisers too. I find lovable, um, albeit maybe not as good. <laughs> you so, might be the only one. So what I want to talk about in regard to this, David, have you ever seen Eddie and the Cruisers?
2: I have not.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna ask Nicole this question and then we'll move along. What makes Eddie and the Cruisers so much better than this movie? If they're the same formula.
1: It goes in the same direction all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's I mean, there are, you know, it's they're searching for this guy, and then there are flashbacks to Eddie and and the cruisers which is his backing band and uh, they're you know the characters are at least moderately interesting there is Michael Paré playing the lead and he's attractive and cool and there's a young Tom Berenger looking attractive and cool and it's Joe pants Joey pants is in the movie right. and he's uh, all right not terribly attractive but cool you know and it's all right it's an
0: it's an intriguing movie i think oh sorry david go ahead
2: oh i was just saying i was just watching the monkey documentary while you guys were talking about (laughs) this movie i haven't seen (laughs) uh definitely a better movie but the camera does not break at the end so there's some misdirection
0: yeah yeah
1: well We we should mention that the monkey documentary comes up because this movie makes this really bizarre tonal shift in the middle.
2: <laughs> three times. <laughs> like three different yeah,
1: times. Yeah, but I mean this... Okay, so this is where you know, the the bartender best friend, Ellie's best friend, the bartender, I don't remember the character's name. I'm not sure we... That's fine. Um, <laughs> she has her, her causes that she's always trying to get her girlfriend involved in to go to, and so you know, they end up at this cause that is run by Charlie's soon to be wife at that point in the movie. And the cause is to raise money for burials of house pets lost in a flood in Indonesia. (laughs) So their souls straight can transition to the next stage of their existence.
2: I'll, I'll give money to that. For Arrested and Development is, fans,
0: it's straight out of a TBA uh, Bluth family fundraiser.
1: <laughs> oh my god. So here is where I had to pause the movie because it went from this sort of mildly comedic mystery to aggressively quirky comedy and twee indie and I wanted to barf. And you don't we have this grounded movie with Tony Collette leading a repetitive sad life and then bring this into it. You just don't. And it's yet not they did. How, and yet they did. And it's just like, uh, <laughs> what? Uh, no. And so, you know, so you meet the ridiculous fiance of Charlie, who's like 25 years old. Charlie's like pushing 50 and they're getting married in a week. And she, asserts that documentaries are a platform for the poor. Oh, I forgot
0: about this. I forgot about this. Not only are they a platform for the poor, but they should only feature poor people, be made by poor people, and be watched by poor people.
1: Right. (sighs) So, yeah, so that happens. Uh,
0: One thing I do very briefly want to mention, um, I think I know one other reason Eddie and the Cruiser is just a better film. And it's because yeah. there is a there is a a level of intrigue around the fact that Eddie, right as he died in the movie, spoilers for those who haven't seen the first 20 minutes of Eddie and the Cruisers, David, uh, he's <sighs> that, recording what is okay. supposed to be <laughs> he's he's recording what is supposed to be a game changing Sergeant Peppers, you know, esque album that will that is allegedly on tape somewhere and he's finishing up but he dies and never gets released and and it never really gets finished and like there's this aura of like the artist has um you know has abandoned the artistry and in the middle of it happening um and you actually get to hear the record at the end and it's actually pretty decent so i think that's also another element of it that there is intrigue as like him finishing the work if he's still alive um which we get into in Eddie and the Cruisers 2 1989. <laughs> not that's not great. I admit that. Let's talk about the title Lucky Them. Why is it called
2: Lucky Them? that's a great question. I don't know. It's an incredibly it's title.
1: generic title.
2: I think it was I think it was supposed to be like a title of a song or something which would have been fine that would have been thematic.
1: Yeah.
2: Except if she was like Yeah. If, if she was like no right if she's like hey this song that Matthew Smith wrote lucky them that was about us like that would have been fine no it's just random
1: yep (laughs) there's there's only one song in here other than the Brian Adams song there's one song I recognize in here and it's only because we heard it before in episode 8 the great beauty there's the song um, that she thinks that Matthew Smith wrote for her um, and the song is actually mm. called everything trying and I can't, I'm sorry. I can't remember the artist off the top of my head. Uh Oh no. Yes, I can. Uh, it's Damien Gerardo. Um, and I mean, there's good, there is good indie music in the background mm-hmm. of the movie, but you never get to hear it front and center. The only stuff you get to hear front and center is the stuff by, um, the Lucas Stone, you know, her new, her latest discovery. But you discovery. don't even really hear he looks, it
0: front and center. You just get like 30 second tidbits of generic singer songwriter songs.
1: But I mean, he's, he looks, I don't get this look. I mean, I understand. Yes, he's wearing Hunchable. flannel, but he's not wearing flannel in the Seattle sort of way. He's wearing flannel in the, I'm trying to ble- break into the country music scene in it's,
2: seriously, Oklahoma. It, it, is, is a, just not, to break
0: it down, it's a Seattle kind of way, like kind of baggy, like looks like you just got out of a, a Nirvana concert or like you're a Pearl Jam yes. fan. Okay. Yeah. And his was like uh, a Luke Bryan type thing. Like it's just, okay. Well,
2: it's, like because, it's because they had
1: Billy Ray Cyrus sort of way of wearing <laughs> flannel.
2: Because he called them, he went to a location and called them. He was like, I want to be here for an hour, whatever you want to film with me. We had do it right now, so they grabbed whatever they could and tr- drove it over there and threw it on him, and then he mysteriously disappeared in a haze of smoke.
0: <laughs> so I have no oh idea why goodness. this movie's called Lucky. Them. <laughs> to go back to the no discussion topic, it's a, it's a. You can put it on a marquee. Uh, I think that's. I think David has once made the argument that that's like half the battle for movie titles, and we put too much emphasis on them. Oh. <sighs>
2: <laughs> yeah know. it's like it's like your uh your english teacher
1: i just with, i'm uh, always very symbolism. wary of generic movie titles yeah i know there's a movie called lucky you and there's lucky them and
2: yeah this movie i had to i had to like google the i had to look up the full title on netflix for it to show up usually you start typing in the first few letters and stuff pops up this one nope lucky it's buried so in there yeah. <laughs>
0: So should it stay buried? I think as we reach the end of our discussion and really run out of things to talk about with this movie, Netflix you like gives us the opportunity to maybe find something good, maybe find something awful, or maybe find something aggressively average. It seems like we found somewhere between aggressively average and awful.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is one of those movies that I think there's some really solid stuff here. There really is for a really interesting character piece. It just didn't do it.
1: Yeah, the writing wasn't quite there. The direction definitely wasn't there. And there's a dead bush baby in this movie. Oh
0: yeah, and, Charlie kills a bush uh, baby.
2: Well, they don't show it, luckily. No,
1: they don't. <laughs> you know, at least that yeah, at least they don't use a stiff dead animal as a gag. But <laughs> you know, you get to see the live bush baby for a while and that that was a bonus. I'm just like, "Oh, look, something was super cute." Yeah, and then yeah. they cover it with a blanket, and it's just like, oh, all right.
0: <laughs> I do. And I knew this.
2: immediately
1: when you see the the cage covered at the wedding, I knew immediately the thing was dead, <laughs> like instantly.
2: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! No, when they wheel it out and they don't show it to you yeah. again, I'm like, now nah, that thing's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And for what it's so, uh, worth,
0: I do love the ending uh, jab that Oliver Platt makes at her, where she's finally written what is apparently a good story uh, for the first time in a very long time. But they went out of print last month, so now they're all digital. Yeah. It's never gonna, it's never gonna see a magazine. Be the pages. lead
1: for their digital edition.
0: Yeah, yep. that 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 hit too real for me. That was which <laughs> that that magazine that magazine real.
2: is now trying to survive only on digital editions. It'll be done in two more issues
0: i mean the
1: one you know the the big credit i will give to the writing of this movie is that they named the magazine stacks which is this fantastic blues label
0: Um, from memphis
1: stacks yeah stacks and volt together um put out i highly recommend going to find the stacks volt collection they put out you know several albums of Excellent, excellent work that yeah. you should
0: go find. Everything from Otis Redding to Mavis Staples. Yeah. <laughs> go listen to Otis Redding yeah. and Mavis Staples. They're better than this movie. Uh, well I oh, think that I think that really does does do it. I, I don't think any of us would particularly yeah. recommend this movie. Is there anyone you no. would recommend this movie? Here's I'm gonna throw this out here. My mom listens to the show. She loves this program. I think she would like this movie. I think it is tame enough. I think it is it is it is cheesy enough. It is romantic. It's not, offensive. it's not offensive. It is romantic comedy enough. My mom will turn this on the week after we release this episode and fall asleep about a third <laughs> of the way through and call it me next day it. and say there it's a great movie. So I'll, I'll report back on that. But other than that, I, I don't think I could recommend it.
2: No, no, I would ra- rather recommend uh, that people search out this article on Rolling Stone that came out about a week before we recorded this. It'll have been a couple of months once this gets released. But uh, if you still haven't read it, The Trouble with Johnny Depp on Rolling Stone Ooh, is yeah. long and fascinating. Very interesting. Um, have, you, have, you guys, have you guys read it yet? No, no but we, no, we no, didn't yeah. even get into our,
0: our perennial um. Do we feel bad about casting a jerk conversation
2: that we tend yeah, to have almost gone every week from nowadays? This
1: Indeed this darling, to
2: to s- broke. He is broke. In this article, Ugh. I mean, it's like it's long. Like strap, you're strap in. You're going to be here for a while, but it is harrowing.
1: Oh wow! Well, I would also highly he recommend likes. that you go seek out Eddie and the Cruisers.
2: Yeah, Russia. we'll see about that.
1: No, oh, it's actually it's, good, David. Any of the cruisers is not. I will. I will give a disclaimer that it's not a great movie, but it's about at the level of, of say, Streets of Fire.
2: <laughs> Streets of Fire. Wow. Uh, Maybe a
0: little bit better, and significantly better than Hearts of Fire, the movie where Bob Dylan killed the guy who made Return of the Jedi. Uh, so, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Richard Marquand, the director of Return of the Jedi, made a movie in the late 80s with Bob Dylan uh, called Hearts of Fire. It is a movie where Dylan runs around with... uh, that one guy, I'm going to look it up while I'm talking, uh, and he hits on a 13-year-old girl. I think I think you? maybe he has sex with her. It's unclear. Ugh. And Richard Marquand made it, and then a couple months later died of a stress-induced heart attack when it was so badly criticized that uh, it got pulled from all movie theaters. So Aww. Bob Dylan killed Richard Marquand. Yeah, Rupert Everett, he's the guy... <coughs> that Bob Dylan is running around with to... Oh, oh they're, that's they're, right. They're competing for the love of this 13 or 14-year-old. It's 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 not okay. Oof. It's not okay. It's, it's But next movie, I'm never going to pick that movie. I'm not going to force you guys to ever watch that, nor do I think it's in print. But we are going to be watching Skyfall. It's what I picked. Uh, so check it out. That is, of course, the Daniel Craig Skyfall, James Bond. I think it's the 23rd movie. So... Uh, we're getting 25 next year, so it'll be interesting to look back yeah, on. Yeah,
2: with uh, Danny Boyle directing.
0: It'll be interesting to see whether or not we we're talking in our Slack offline about how I hate every other Daniel Craig movie, and I hate Spectre. We'll, so, we'll talk
2: about all that next week. I Wait, hate you hate it.
1: Casino Royale?
0: I love Casino
2: Royale. I, I, I hate Quantum of Solace. Solace.
0: I love okay. Skyfall. I hate Spectre. So I'm in the mood for to be to love Daniel Craig again. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll,
1: yeah. We'll, ta- we'll, we'll see next week. It.
0: Skyfall. Check it out. Where can everybody find everybody else online? Nicole Davis, where are you online?
1: Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I have to get my brain back together after talking about this movie. Um, you can find me shepherding our Facebook page, facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. We have got a, we got a little engagement over our Jupiter sending post. I'm excited. um, you can also find me on Twitter under at your wordwiz, And that's Y O U R W O R D W H I Z. You can now also find me on letterboxd, uh, Nicole underscore Davis. I have started writing. I haven't put it up online yet. I've started writing reviews of the movies that we have covered on movie go round. And we'll start posting those. If you want to find my, personal views on movies and maybe a few things that i will say that i did not get to say on air it well, on air like we're on the radio it's
0: computer it's on air the internet. They're, they're getting Whatever. it magical airwaves <laughs> like it's
1: it's, i describe podcasting as pre-packaged radio usually
0: yeah sure
1: uh when i'm describing it to say my mom or something um but anyway so yes that's where you can find me
0: very good and what about you david
2: you can find me in the Heck Yeah Comics podcast and on the Brokebot Mountain podcast and around the internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you can find me there.
0: You can find me on Twitter at RiversRubin or on brettdavidstuart.com. I have a couple of fun new projects coming on over there, so if you want to keep tabs on those, go to brettdavidstuart.com and sign up for the newsletter in the middle of the page. That will keep you updated once a week with whatever it is I am doing. That'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. We are back next week for Future Classics. We are watching Skyfall. We'll see you then.